When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Billy Preston arrived as a freshman on the campus of the University of Kansas in the fall of 2017. Billy had grown up in Los Angeles, but the sleepy college town of Lawrence actually felt like a perfect match. The vibe that I got, it was more like Lawrence was like a mellow scene, and that's kind of how I am. I'm just, you know, like a flat line. I'm I'm never too high, never too low. Billy was no ordinary college freshman. He was a Jayhawk, a player on one of the top college basketball teams in the country. And on that campus, surrounded by Kansas corn and soybean fields, he was a celebrity. The lob inside, Preston. That was really good stuff. And a timeout from Mark Johnson. You know, I was a, I was a guy out here. People you know, snapping me, telling me this, you know, you're a great basketball player and you're going to be in the NBA one day. I can, you know, do something where a lot of people love me for doing what I do. One Saturday in November, Billy and his teammate, Marcus Garrett, decided to drive to the mall to buy some sneakers. Nike was dropping a new edition of Air Jordan 11s that day white and navy blue. And they was some some real there was some real heat. And we drive all the way to some mall that's like an hour away, hour and 10 minutes away. The big mall with the exclusive shoes was near Kansas City, about 40 miles away from the campus in Lawrence. But Billy was taking his time driving on the highway. It was rainy and near freezing. I'm not finna you know, be doing nothing crazy, like, while, especially with a teammate in the car, you know, while we at KU, like, I, I'm, I'm smarter than that. Billy and Marcus were on a tight schedule. They had a team meeting that afternoon. Billy got his Jordans, but the store didn't have Marcus's size. It got to, like, a point where it's getting close to the time we got to be back for the meeting. So uh, I tell him, like, Marcus, we got to go, bro. Like, <laughs> You gonna have to get them shoes another time, but we gotta go because you know if we miss this team meeting, like it's bad. Like you know, Coach Self about to be honest. Kansas head coach Bill Self had already disciplined Billy for a minor infraction. He'd missed curfew a couple of days earlier, parked his car illegally, and skipped class. Self had made Billy sit out the Jayhawks season opener against Tennessee State because of that. So Billy and Marcus got back into Billy's Dodge Charger and hustled back to Lawrence. So literally on the way back, we rushing back. Like I'm driving back faster, low key than what I was going there. And it was good. It wasn't until like we got around the corner from the school. Like you can literally see the school right here, the athletic office. And like, I don't know what happened, but I literally turned the corner, like I make a left. And next thing you know, like, my, my back wheel just, like, stopped moving. It just got stuck, and we start spinning out. 
What Billy couldn't know at the time was that this Saturday quest for sneakers would end up costing him nearly everything that mattered to him. He was about to get caught up in a scandal that rocked college athletics. Breaking news, a federal probe has turned up widespread fraud and corruption in college basketball. What federal authorities are calling the dark underbelly of college basketball. Federal investigators say a marketing executive for Adidas agreed to funnel as much as $150,000 to a high school. It's been going on forever, and finally the government put two years wiretaps into it, and this is what you Why do you think there's so much scandal? Because the rules don't make sense. Now, there's a lot more at stake. Envelopes of cash, gotcha-style stings, wiretaps, the feds, surveillance videos in a swank hotel penthouse, a two-story yacht. A case appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. This scandal would connect coaches at Division I schools, executives at a sneaker company, and a web of agents, runners, and advisors, all trying to grab their piece of the billion-dollar business that is college basketball, a business in which players were forbidden from sharing any of the profits. I'm Paula Levine. I'm an investigative reporter for ESPN. In my 25 years as a journalist, I've been in far more courtrooms than basketball courts. I've been one of the reporters covering this story for five years, the biggest pay-for-play scandal ever in college sports. I've watched it embroil big-name university programs we all thought were untouchable. And I've seen it unravel the lives of players like Billy Preston. But I've always wondered... How did all this corruption exist for so long as an open secret throughout college basketball? And would the scandal drag it into the light and change everything? From ESPN and 30 for 30 podcasts, this is The Bag Game. Episode 1, The Making of Billy Preston. Billy Preston went from being just a kid who loved to play to one of the top NBA prospects in the country. He was such a valuable commodity that sneaker company executives were exchanging text messages about him. How did that happen? Well, hard work, practice, and luck— But Billy also had parents so committed to his success that they were willing to uproot their entire lives in pursuit of a dream. I think I overcompensated for a lot of things. Uh, I never told my son no, ever in life. I met Billy's mom, Nicole Player, back in 2019. And she took me to the very beginning. She got pregnant when she was 18 years old. He's been, he's definitely been my blessing. He's definitely been, for me, the thing that kept me grounded. Where were you guys living at the time? In Los Angeles, trying to figure it out. Trying to figure it all out. Um, Can I ask about his his father? His father's around. Um, Good guy, just a little misguided to me. Billy and Nicole say Billy's dad was present in his life, but Nicole was his primary caregiver. 
And in the early years, Nicole struggled with raising Billy while holding down work and housing. I got evicted out of an apartment. I don't know. Um, We didn't have a lot of money. I had food stamps and whatnot. Nicole and Billy spent some time in a shelter, or as Billy called it, the pink house. That's what we called it when uh, I was growing up, but yeah, it was like a, a shelter. So yeah, I stayed, me and my mom, we stayed with a bunch of strangers just in the in the shelter, you know, trying to make ends meet. I just felt like I was just doing what we had to do, and I made the best of whatever situation we were in. A federal housing voucher allowed Nicole to move Billy to a better neighborhood. Then, while working as a waitress, she met her future partner, Tamika Kirby, who goes by TK. Hey now, hey now, glad you guys made it. Let's go, come on in. Welcome to the Cut Experience. TK showed me around her barbershop in her native Compton. Across one wall, there's a series of portraits of famous people who all grew up in the neighborhood. So we have Yo-Yo. She's a, uh, a rapper from Compton. DeMar DeRozan went to Compton High, playing professionally in the NBA. Dr. Dre, part of the infamous NWA from Compton, went out on the zone. And then here we come with the goats, Serena. Then you have myself. I'm a goat in my own. (laughs) TK played basketball growing up in L.A. and went to the University of Iowa to play with legendary Hawkeyes coach Vivian Stringer. The first game that I started, Coach Stringer put me at the one, and she was just like, go play. That moment right there just made me feel accomplished, being able to be on the floor and her having that confidence in me. TK got signed to a team in the WNBA in the league's second season. I can say that I had on the WNBA jersey. I mean, I played for Hall of Fame coaches and everything. Like, I made it, whether I played a day or 10 days. What was the pay like in the the WNBA back then? Oh, Paula, we're not talking about that. It was non-existent. I mean, literally, free agents were getting paid $15,000. And, you know, we played just in the summer. Lupus sidelined TK's pro career. By 2003, she was coaching high school basketball in Los Angeles when she met Nicole. Billy was five, and Nicole says he was full of energy. Rambunctious. <laughs> My grandmother would call him all boy, all boy. I mean, you would look up, this kid would be on the roof. You're like, what are you doing up there, you know? Nicole and TK moved in together and registered in California as domestic partners in 2006. Billy called TK his godmother. The family moved to Irvine, a small city that's been ranked one of the safest places in America. It was a big change from South L.A. And as he got older, Nicole says Billy began to channel his boy energy into one activity in particular— All he wanted to do was skateboard all day. That's all he did. From growing up in the valley, living in Orange County, he just wanted to skateboard all day. I definitely had goals of, like, being a professional skateboarder. You know, I was kind of looking at it like I could be, like, the next Tony Hawk or something like that, you know, because I was really good. Um, Yeah, what was it about skateboarding that you really liked? The falling process, like, I had times where I was trying to, you know, jump off a six plus stairs with my skateboard and and I'll fall off my skateboard and 
have a bruise or a scar or something and I have to get right back up. That's just one thing that kind of made me tough. Like you, you, you damn near fall in love with the ground. <laughs> Billy may have enjoyed falling, but Nicole and TK started to worry about his skateboarding accidents. One, he almost got hit by a car. He fell off the skateboard. Skateboard went into traffic, broken pieces. That scared me to death. Um, the next one was he had fallen and busted his head. He needed like 10 staples. TK was fed up with Billy's skateboarding, so she made a decision. One morning I woke up, I couldn't find my skateboard like anywhere. Like I thought I misplaced it. I couldn't find it around the house. I checked outside uh, our apartment. It was nowhere to be found. And then I went upstairs, I asked my mom, I'm like, yo, where's my skateboard? My godmom told me she threw it away. All right, did you really throw his skateboard away? Absolutely. I sure did. (laughs) I sure did. I said, we'll get something else. We'll do something else. But this is it for that. (laughs) So at the moment, I'm mad. I'm I'm very disappointed. Like, I'm highly upset. And um, went in my room and closed the door, sat in there with an attitude for a minute. She came in there and talked to me like, your skateboard not going to get you nowhere. That's not something you, you should be doing. Instead, by middle school, Billy found his way to the sport that would define his life, basketball. And TK was willing to test him out. We would watch basketball, you know, together. And then I, I've always been coaching. So he would come with me to my practices. And so he wanted to play. So I was like, okay. I was like, I'm going to be hard on you. I was like, if you want to play, there's certain things you have to do and you have to be committed. So as a young boy, she just started training me, like working me out. I started getting in the gym more, working on my game. Billy had two things going for him at age 12. He was tall, like really tall, over six feet. And he picked up skills quickly. But he needed to develop as an overall player. Billy was lazy. He didn't want to run. He just wanted to score points. You know, that was it. And I just told him it was very simple. I love you to death, but you got to work hard. And if you're not going to work hard, there's no exception because we're going home together and I love you and I'm raising you. So how did he respond to that? Like, what did that training look like? at first because it's like, what? This is our team. I'm supposed to be. No, that's not how it goes. The lesson stuck. Through middle school, with Nicole's support, TK kept training Billy, and he kept getting better. I started getting good, getting better, and reps and reps and reps every day in the gym. It got to a point to where, like, this is what I want to do. I can make money. I can, you know, make millions and live a great life by just putting the basketball in the bucket. By age 15, Billy was getting ready for ninth grade, and he had his pick of high schools. Private academies in Los Angeles were throwing scholarships at him. In December of his freshman year at St. John Bosco, Billy had his breakout game. His team went to play in a national tournament called the City of Palms Classic in Fort Myers, Florida. This was the kind of travel that was becoming normal for Billy. This was the world of elite youth basketball he and his family had entered. But for that game, the spotlight wasn't supposed to be on Billy. TK remembers the focus was on two of his teammates. 
Tyler Dorsey, that was a preseason All-American, Daniel Hamilton. So you had those two guys being heavily recruited. Everyone's watching him. And then Billy's just a freshman. And I told him before the game, listen, all the attention is going to be on Tyler and Daniel. I said, you got to show up when it matters. Their team lost, but Billy ended the game with 21 points and 12 rebounds. That made a big impression on all the coaches and scouts in the stands. From there, that's when the recruiting, like, picked up because he was showing he was, you know, rebounding the ball and pushing it. It was just they saw all facets of his game, and they couldn't believe a kid at 6'10 could handle the ball this way, dribble, pass, and shoot. It was like, whoa, who is this? And that was his freshman year. His freshman year. That's when our phones started blowing up. It was crazy. It's not unusual for elite players to go to a different high school every year, climbing the ladder and gaining exposure at each stop. Going into the 10th grade, Billy wanted to switch schools to join some former teammates. And Billy begged me to go to Redondo Union High School. Now I told you I never say no. So we made that happen. Now, Redondo Union High School is a public school in the city of Redondo Beach, California. But Nicole and Billy didn't live in Redondo Beach. They lived in Irvine, about an hour away. To enroll Billy in the school, Nicole used a false address. So how did you end up using someone's address? Um, we paid them. Yeah, I paid the landlord. It was an empty apartment to be able to um, get mail there and whatnot. You hear about young athletes doing this kind of thing all the time. TK told me she even did it. Oh, I used an address in high school. That's normal. When I left from Morningside uh, to Linwood, I lived in Compton with my grandparents, and that's out of district. But we had a member of our church that went to Linwood. So when it came full circle for him, Of course, if we don't live in the area, we definitely need an address. Billy had switched schools after his freshman year, and halfway through Billy's sophomore year, Nicole and TK made an even bigger move for Billy's future. They picked up from Southern California and moved to Dallas, Texas. Nicole and TK had no connections to Dallas, no family or friends there. But Billy had an opportunity to play for prime prep, a private school co-founded by former NFL player Deion Sanders that would put him on a bigger stage. Now it's like you do turn into a star, damn near. He was ranked in the top 10 in his class nationally. His older teammates were getting recruited by Division I schools like Louisville, Alabama, and Arizona. So in Billy's mind, it was all leading to the big time. You know, it was all just to get to the NBA. Like, whatever I had to do to advance and further my career to get to the NBA, if I felt like this was the right move, this is what we was going to do. Nicole had a different goal in mind for Billy. My goal was always for Billy just to go to college. I had my son at 19. My mother had me at 18. I mean, I don't think I had NBA dreams because, to be honest with you, I didn't think they were real. But for Billy, the dream was real. And his senior year of high school would be crucial for his prospects. He needed to go somewhere with a track record of landing players in big college programs. Prime Prep had folded in a scandal. 
So in 2016, he ended up at Oak Hill Academy, a small private boarding school in rural mouth of Wilson, Virginia, where annual tuition was close to $30,000. And how did you guys pay for that? We didn't. He had a scholarship. Yeah, he had a full scholarship. By this time, Nicole and TK had split up. When Billy went to boarding school in Virginia, they agreed that Nicole would stay in Dallas and TK would move to Charlotte, a couple of hours' drive from Oak Hill, so Billy could have a parent nearby. I thought he could develop into a really good player. Steve Smith was the head coach at the school. He coached at least 40 future NBA players, including Kevin Durant and Carmelo Anthony. And when Coach Smith looked at Billy, he saw another potential top recruit. And he was coming in September, so I thought by the time December, January rolls around, when you're in the meat of your schedule, he's going to be one of the best players in the country. And uh, he was that. In the winter of his senior year, Billy returned home to Southern California to play what was shaping up to be a very big game against Chino Hills. At the time, Chino Hills was home to the famed Ball Brothers. Older brother Lonzo had already left for UCLA, but his siblings, Lamelo and Leangelo, remained and dominated. They play a style of basketball that nobody else plays. It almost looks like they're playing street ball. I mean, they're just flying up and down the floor. They're throwing baseball passes, length of the floor, and they catch and shoot a three. I mean, it was wild. TK remembers this game clearly. And they had a very, very good team, but it was nobody that could guard Billy. And then Coach Smith knew how to defend. I mean, at 6'10", handling the ball, shooting the three, it, it just was difficult to guard him. What were the final seconds of that game like? Oh, it was tense because I think we were only up by three. So it was a possession where the whole gym was like silent because it was like they could hit a three at any time and tie the game up. But it didn't happen. We just proved we the real hill because we just beat Chino Hill. So I'm going to say we the real hill. I think the people in the gym are kind of shocked that we beat them out there. I mean, we have Oak Hill's got a big name in high school basketball. But when you go to California and you're playing Chino Hills, you're expected to lose. So that was a big game and a big win for us. This was the kind of performance that would get the attention of college coaches. And with that came a lot of promises. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broom, 
Gate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broom Gate. For top-ranked high school basketball players like Billy Preston, playing at an elite private high school like Oak Hill was part of a script. The next act? To be a one-and-done, play a requisite one year at a Division I college, then enter the NBA draft. It felt like a lock. His senior year, top college coaches were always showing up at Billy's games. TK would drive up from Charlotte to watch. Every game was jam-packed. I used to sit in the corner because it was nowhere literally to sit on the bleacher side. You know, you see (laughs) Kansas walking in, you see Duke walking in. In college basketball, those are the celebrities. (laughs) Were they the head coaches? Absolutely. Head, first assistant, Sometimes it would be all four that would come. I mean, if they're seriously recruiting a kid, you don't send an assistant. So the head coach has to show up. Billy was most interested in the University of Kansas. Kansas has one of the top basketball programs in the country. It's one of a handful of schools known as Blue Bloods. That tradition goes back to Kansas's first head coach, James Naismith the guy who invented basketball. I blew a whistle, and the first game of basketball began. And uh, what rules did you have for your new games, Dr. Naismith? Well, I didn't have enough, and that's where I made my big mistake. Funny thing that people like to talk about, that James Naismith is actually the only coach in, in KU basketball history to have a losing record. That's Matt Tate, sports editor of the Lawrence Journal World newspaper. He's been covering University of Kansas sports for over a decade. And in a town like Lawrence, basketball is the beat. Oh, it means everything here. I mean, in some ways, the entire town revolves around it. It's one of those things where if KU's playing, the bars are full of people watching, uh, the streets are empty, and a lot of people tie their, their happiness to it. If the Jayhawks win, people are in a good mood the next day, and if they lose, they're a little grumpy. The intensity in Fog Allen Fieldhouse is almost unmatched in college basketball. You can just feel the energy come through from the fans to the players, and you can see it in the Oklahoma State players' faces, how focused they are, along with the Jayhawks. 60 years of college hoops inside this historic building. And Jayhawks fans are dialed in. So when Billy went to Lawrence on his official visit in October 2016, the fans knew he was coming. You know, I just look up, and there's people at Ellen Fieldhouse yelling my name. We want Billy. We want Billy. They were excited to see him play. They knew what his game was about. You know, they follow the recruiting. They follow their high school careers. They want to know everything about him because they want to see who's our guy here. What's what's he going to bring to our team? The fans were excited about Billy coming to Kansas. The night Billy visited Kansas, he attended the massive pep rally that kicks off their season every year called Late Night in the Fog. The whole atmosphere like was crazy. Like being in Allen Fieldhouse, I'm having good vibes from the coaches, good vibes from the players. My mom's having a good time. Like, you know, it's just in the moment, you just feeling like this is somewhere you would want to be. So after he had finished his visits, we sat down and was like, okay, where you want to go? Pros and cons and worked it out. An announcement from one of the best high school basketball players in the country. He's a top 20 recruit. Say hello to Billy Preston, who has joined us here on our set at ESPN. You, Billy, say hello to America here. You're about to see a lot uh, more of him coming up next season as he makes his college choice. Without further ado, let's have your college choice. Where are you going to school? 
Next year, I'll be attending the University of Kansas. <laughs> the Jayhawks smiling big right now, and their head coach, Bill Self, certainly as well. TK remembered what it was like for her to show up on a college campus as a freshman athlete, and she had some advice for Billy. <sighs> My advice to him was, don't lose your focus. You cannot allow outside distractions to keep you from your goals. In August 2017, before classes started, the Jayhawks took a trip to Italy. They visited Rome and Milan, playing local teams. When they were in Milan, they had a, a private viewing of The Last Supper. Lawrence Journal World reporter Matt Tate covered the trip. They also did a uh, boat tour of Lake Como, and they got to, they got to get out and, and do some shopping and, and check out the Bellagio over there. And I remember just thinking, you know, here's this super talented dude who's just a kid. He brought his mother and I uh, both back two gifts, and we were so teary-eyed because Billy, he, you know, with his own money, he has, ne- you know, never bought us nothing. He's, you know, a kid. He's spending his money on his own stuff. So he went to Italy, and he had got his mom this really, um, this really nice Italian leather purse because she, you know, was into uh, handbags. And then he had got me uh, a piece of jewelry because he knows that I like jewelry. And I was like, oh, it's so thoughtful. Around that time. Billy got a nice gift from his mom as well. I got a charger. Uh, my mom said got me a charger, uh, a car, and it was like nothing too crazy. It was a 2016 SRT or something like that, and a real regular stock rims. It was nothing crazy gray. I'm really just thinking like, well, I've been asking my mom a car for years, and she finally just waited to college to get me one. Far away from his own family, back in Lawrence, Billy was starting to feel like part of the Jayhawks family. Head coach Bill Self made Billy feel at home. Watching games at his house, his wife would cook. What was his house like? It was big, it was super big. Coach Self's house is, it's like a mansion. I guess you can call it a mansion. Like his house is crazy. He got multiple rooms, like a game room. You know, one room that was our favorite was the, the theater room. You know, and we was, in there one night watching the draft, and it was literally the whole team in his house, and we was eating, you know, it was this one pasta uh, that he has named after him. Uh, it's like Bill so pasta, it's like macaroni and buffalo chicken. It was cool. That is the funniest thing about having a pasta named after you. Yeah, <laughs> facts. Uh, you know, this is the Bill so pasta, and it's pretty good too, so. Billy played in a few exhibition games before the season started. Kansas won all three. The lob inside. Preston. That was really good stuff. And a timeout from Mark Johnson. And Billy got to shake off some of the nerves he had about playing in front of big crowds. It got to a point to where, like, what's in this gym right now, it's not going to be no less people than this. Can you knock my whole stage fright out? That was the first place I got to to where, like, I could be in front of millions of people and feel comfortable whether I'm doing bad, whether I'm doing good. I know I can be me. But then, for the season opener against Tennessee State on November 10th, Coach Self benched Billy. He talked about it in a press conference after the game. We have all were kids, and and our parents, I'm sure, said, can you believe our kids? I mean, can you believe they were, what were they thinking? The team's official Twitter account noted that Billy had been out past curfew the night before, had parked illegally, and skipped class. I asked him, did you miss class today? And so he told me, and I asked him why, and he told me. So 
I mean, it wasn't much of a decision to be made. So. You think that'll be back Tuesday? Is this the one game? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just, just take care of your business. So, But he needs to take care of his business. He, everybody needs to be responsible. The next day was Saturday, November 11th, the day Billy and his teammate Marcus drove to the mall outside Kansas City for those Air Jordans. November 11th is Veterans Day. A military band marched down Massachusetts Street in the cold, rainy drizzle. On a nearby highway, rain and wet roads contributed to several accidents. And within sight of the KU campus, Billy Preston lost control of his brand-new Dodge Charger while rushing to get back in time for a team meeting. He hit a curb, flattening both tires on one side of the car. Like, the tires was off of the rim. It was uh, dented up and all type of stuff. Like, it was bad. As soon as that happened, we're like, me and Marcus, we're like looking at each other like, bro, like, what just happened? He was like, bro, I called Coach. I called Coach Townsend. I let him know, like, we right, right around the corner from the school, we just got into a wreck. Curtis Townsend, the assistant coach, picked Billy and Marcus up and called a tow truck for the car. Dispatch records for that day show that no emergency vehicles were called and there was no police report. Billy called his mom and TK right after the accident to let them know what happened and that he was okay. What did you think the fallout would be to that? Honestly, Paula, I didn't think anything, to be honest with you. I was more concerned with his safety and making sure he was okay. I didn't think anything past that. Just making sure he was fine is where I was. But when you are an athlete at the University of Kansas, it's a whole lot different. After that, I asked my coach, I said, what's the process now? Like, what's going to happen? Then that's when he told me that he had to report it to the NCAA that something happened to a player. The accident would be reported to the NCAA, the organization that rules over eligibility for college athletes. If Billy thought he'd been in trouble before for missing curfew, he hadn't seen anything yet. And then Coach Townsend, uh, he told me that somebody had called the NCAA anonymously and, and told him, like, they should investigate me. Why would the NCAA want to investigate Billy? Well, the NCAA was already looking into major possible eligibility violations in college basketball. Those had come out earlier in the fall. NCAA investigators had prominent college basketball programs, like Kansas, under a microscope. So Billy's accident couldn't have come at a worse time. Coming up in our next episode... The first question that comes up is, where do you get the charger from? It wasn't a bag. It was just an envelope. And it was $30,000 cash in there. That's next time on The Bag Game. The Bag Game is based on reporting by me, Paula Levine, and Mark Schlebaugh for ESPN's investigative unit. Senior producer is Matt Frassica. Senior editorial producer is Eve Tro. Line producer is Kath Sankey. Associate producers are Gus Navarro and Megan Coyle. 
production assistants are Diamante McKelvey and Isabella Seaman. Archival producers are Megan Coyle and G. Young Park. Music by Braxton Cook, with additional composition, scoring, and sound design by Hannes Brown.